Welcome to Season 4, Episode 42 of Brody Sports Talk. My name is Derek Rusnick, and I will be your host going through the NFL season recap for the 2022-2023 NFL season. Can't wait to talk about the uh, the honors that have uh, recently come out and the upcoming Hall of Fame class that we have headed into Canton. Uh, I am joined by my buddy and my uh, podcasting uh you're the founder. You're the founder of this podcast and also the person that I enjoy talking to the most about football. Uh, and that's Caleb. Caleb, how you doing? Um, it's a good day to talk about the NFL. Uh, every day is a good day to talk about the NFL, in my opinion. Um, I will say that uh, I don't think that we're going to jump in and do any like Kelly Clarkson songs or like try to do what George Kittle or Kirk Cousins did by singing about stuff during the show. Although I did like Kirk singing about Tom Brady being gone and uh, now everyone else has a, has a chance to win the Super Bowl. <laughs> it's pretty funny. Uh, there's a problem with that. Uh, his name is Patrick Mahomes. Uh, he's also good and frequently is in the Super Bowl. It feels like. So um it might be a slight spoiler alert for the NFL honor show, but um, yeah, uh, Derek, what award do you want to jump in at? Uh, so one of my favorite every year is the coach of the year, because um, we look to see who has, uh, has come in and has just taken the, uh, the coaching ranks by storm, whether it is a brand new coach or a coach who has, uh, up against all the odds, had a really good season. So this year, we uh, we started out with Coach of the Year. So there was five guys that were uh, were voted on, and the they give us the the last three that are in. Um, so in no particular order, we had Kyle Shanahan of the 49ers, Doug Peterson of the Jacksonville Jaguars. And the winner of this year's award, Brian Dayball for the New York Giants. Uh, first time coming over to be a head coach. And he leads the uh, the Giants to the playoffs and to a 9-7 and seven record uh, this year. And uh, really made Daniel Jones not only a good quarterback, but overly aggressive in the free agency market. Uh, Caleb, I want to get your thoughts on what uh, Brian Dable did this year or anybody else that was in that category. I mean, it's easy to talk about Shanahan with what he did. Obviously, he got Christian McCaffrey in, but basically going from Trey Lance to Jimmy Garoppolo to Brock Purdy, it was impressive. The fact that the offense kept moving and humming and potentially even looking better uh, as they kept transitioning is nothing short of strange. Uh, obviously we all know how much I jumped on the Duval train late in the season. Uh, Doug Peterson turning the Jaguars around, uh, getting them to believe that they could go to the playoffs when everything looked lost midway through the season. I have a lot of respect for that. I mean, all of the head coaches in the NFL, I think are good at what they do. 
Brian Dable definitely got the Giants above expectations. I know that we talked about it earlier in the year when we talked about, you know, we we bring it up as far as over-under win totals. I think the Giants total was like six and a half or seven and a half, and both of us were on the underside. We, we weren't really buying in and believing that it could happen, but it did, and it went crazy fast at the start of the season. Daniel Jones looked like a completely different quarterback. It was fantastic. It was a big deal what Dayball was able to do and how quickly he was able to do it there in New York. I loved his gutsiness. Um, And I think the other part of that that we at least have to talk about is just how bad things were under, oh, I have prior Giants head coach that his name is escaping me, Joe Judge. Oh, Joe Judge. That's uh, I I missed by by one coach. Yeah, you're fine. Uh, Joe Judge was bad. And being able to bring in Dable, who had worked with Josh Allen for several years out in Buffalo, he's been coaching the league on offense for 20-something years. He knew what he was doing. He finally got a head coach opportunity, and he took advantage of it. I'm happy for him. Coach of the year, nine and seven or nine seven and one. God, if, if I I don't like ties, I would rather there not be a tie. But they started off hot, didn't finish the best way, but they did get a playoff W, which isn't really supposed to count in the voting. But good for you, Brian. Yeah, so great, uh, a great job for him. Um, and we'll we'll cover a little bit of. Uh, some of the reasons why he was such a good coach this year. But I want to move on to one of my favorite uh, individual awards when it comes to things outside of the NFL. And that's the Walter Payton Man of the Year Award. Uh, This year, it went to Dak Prescott of the Dallas Cowboys. Um, So a lot of people know, but people don't probably don't realize that uh, most of the NFL, they have some form of the charity work and they have uh, special things that they do on their on their off time. And Dak has, since he's been in the league, you're always seeing videos of him going above and beyond. And I'm glad to see that uh, that this year he has won the uh, the man of the year. There are thirty two uh, People, there's there's a man of the year on every team, and then there's one selected as the uh, the full NFL man of the year. Uh, Dak has been, you you can say whatever he what you want about him on the field and what he does. I mean, he's a very giving person, both on and off the field. He gives the ball away to the defense, and uh, on his. on his off time, he gives uh, a lot to the community in or around um, both the Texas area, the, the the Dallas Arlington area, and back in uh, at Mississippi State where uh, he went to college at. So, uh, Caleb, I want to open up the floor because you are generally more 
uh, know a lot more about this stuff than and keep up with it than than I do. And I want to give you an opportunity to kind of give any background information that you might have. I mean, I think that this might be the happiest I've ever been for Dak Prescott. I, d- I don't know that he's really a star NFL quarterback. I don't know that I think he's a top 10 quarterback. Uh, I'm, I'll am i say it like someone we talked about in the prior episode. I want to say he's potentially Derek Carr-esque. He's good enough to win some games with some good talent around him, but he's not so good that he's just going to – he's not going to be a top five quarterback ever. Um. But what he does off the field and who he is, it's really just kind of inspiring. Uh, they talked about it a lot um, during his time at Mississippi State. Um, his mom, Peggy, had gotten colon cancer and passed away. Um, so Dak, when he got into the league and was looking for places to volunteer and places to serve he started going to cancer units because he knows what that's like he knows what that experience is like to go through with families and it hurts and it's not always a successful thing where people beat cancer um i think it's one of those things that we talk about all the time where people are just like you know it's it's nasty Um, then since he's been in the NFL, um, I believe it was during, um, the COVID off season, um, his brother had committed suicide and he talked about how that really hurt him. And he really had to focus a little bit on his mental health and, you know, his brother's mental health clearly needed some help as well. He was trying to deal with all the grief from, supporting the mom and everything while Dak was still being able to play football. So he's put more time in his charitable efforts into mental health. I don't know that I can speak enough. I feel like mental health is a buzzword, but I know personally that it's just so much bigger than that. The community around mental health just doesn't have enough true support or understanding because it's not just kids, it's adults, it's, uh, you know, everyone has things that they are dealing with. We need to be able to have support. It's not a stigma to see someone, you know, have counseling or do different things to take care of themselves. So Dak Prescott being a leader in both of those areas and being an NFL player a star NFL player, uh, no pun intended, uh, really is something that makes me proud of who he is. I, I love the fact that he is able to keep going and serving the community and make an impact and make a difference. Um, uh, Derek, do, any anything you want to add uh, as far as that's concerned? I know that that's a lot. It's a little heavy, um, but I think in general it shows uh, it's all personal to Dak, and I think that that's what makes it different. It's not like Dak does this because he thinks it's an important thing to do. It's 
Dak does stuff because he's been impacted and he wants to make sure other people's lives are not impacted the same way his was. I'm going to, I'm going to let you have the, that wrap up there. Cause you did it so succinctly and so well that uh, I just want to leave it, leave it at that and move on to our, uh, our next area here is the, uh, the defensive player of the year. Uh, I mean, that's going to be Nick Bosa of the uh, San Francisco 49ers. Um, so, among the other players that were in that in, in the top three there, Micah Parsons from the Dallas Cowboys and Chris Jones, the defensive tackle for the Kansas City Chiefs. We've seen what Chris Jones can do um, throughout the playoffs and into the Super Bowl. And Micah Parsons is going to be a defensive juggernaut for the next few years um, as he, he's done a lot in just a couple of years in the, the league. Uh, Nick Bosa has done a great job as the anchor point and the leader of a very good uh, defense. We're going to see what they do next year uh, when D'Amico Ryans uh, becomes the head coach uh, for Houston. Uh, but you know they've done done that before. They they lost Robert Sala and kept going. They they're going to get someone else in there, and they're going to just going to keep going as well. So um, I always like to see uh, you know one of the Watt brothers up there, uh, Aaron Donald. But this is just not that year uh, for them due to injuries, due to uh, a lot of different reasons there. So uh, Nick Bosa stepping in, um, you know. There's two Bosa brothers, and either one of them, uh, and bo- both of them are a problem on any given Sunday. Uh, I, I'm, I'm personally like Nick Bosa, uh, as I was a bandwagon 49er fan for the last few weeks after the Denver debacle uh, that was this last year. So I, had, I jumped on a bandwagon team, and it was the 49ers. So uh, seeing Nick Bosa win was uh, was fun. Uh, Caleb, thoughts on uh, Nick Bosa? So I'm probably going to detour a little bit here. I do think Nick Bosa was deserving. Uh, He led the league in sacks. He did fantastic. And the 49ers, part of their success was because of how good they were on defense. And part of that success is Nick Bosa was able to get after the quarterback, also effective in the running game. Just a really strong player. I think one of the things that I am somewhat just trying to struggle with probably over the last 10 years is just how much this award has become a great uh, pass rusher award and not necessarily a defensive player of the year award. And part of me says, have we just had a golden era of pass rushers? Because we have, Um, if I look back, uh, I'll go back 11 years. You have the three years, JJ Watt won. You have three years where Aaron Donald won Khalil Mack, TJ Watt, Bosa, the other two winners that snuck in there, Luke Keekley one year for the Panthers and Stefan Gilmore when he had that huge interception year for the Patriots. I, do, I just, I'm curious if you feel like this is going to keep being a sack award because in general, the other person that was in the discussion was Micah Parsons who mainly gets in the discussion because he sacks the quarterback. Yes, he also plays linebacker and can do a lot of versatile things, but he's there because he gets sacks. 
yeah so i uh i will tell you this um as uh, maybe to transition into my next uh point here i do not think that in the next uh three to five years that this is going to be um a path rusher award i believe there is someone else on our list here that is going to win this award um in the next couple of years because of uh their coverage that they uh they have and uh i do love the coverage that they put on on buffalo wings um i don't know any players named ranch uh what what might you be referring to derek <laughs> oh my goodness i just t just wanted my nose folks uh, with that joke um so uh, just to be completely uh, honest, the I think that uh, Ahmad Sauce Gardner is going to win the Defensive Player of the Year award in the next couple of years because he has been an absolute shutdown uh, corner for the Jets, and he won the Defensive Rookie of the Year award uh, in. Uh, this year, and I think that he is going to uh, be, uh, be I, I think he's going to win this award outright uh, in his not just uh, just being a rookie. Uh, I think he he should have been in a, in the top three this year for this um, uh, I think he should have been in this award just by its uh, just by himself, like at least in the in the top three, not just uh, the rookie area, but the uh, but in the defensive player of the year itself, um, he he was that good for the Jets, and I think he's going to be a you know barring injury, I think he's going to be a long-standing uh, member of that. I think that, that makes sense. Uh, he did a really good job of being able to go in and get past deflections, interceptions, and all sorts of things during the course of the year. I think people are going to start being afraid to throw at him. Um, I do think it's interesting that apparently he worked with uh, B-dubs to get a sauce known as the sauce sauce. So uh, sauce gardener getting those, getting those things wrapped up, making that money where he can, because that nickname is, is awesome. Yeah, no, you are, you're exactly right on that. Uh, I am just doing a quick uh, look over of, because I think I have some bad information on our notes here and I need to change someone. Uh, I wanted to move over to Sauce's teammate and that's the offensive rookie of the year, uh, that's Garrett Wilson for the uh, the New York Jets as uh, 83 passes, uh, catching 83 passes for 11.03 uh, this year, and certainly uh, certainly worthy of the offensive rookie of the year. Uh, so, what do you think about uh, about Garrett? Do you think there should have been someone else? that uh that maybe took home this award or um someone more deserving of it caleb 
Um, it's tough. I don't know that there was a for sure this player should have had X for offensive rookie of the year. Do I think that you could have a Mount Rushmore of players that you would put up there and say, you know what? These four deserve to be here. I think that's true. I think you could talk about Garrett Wilson. Uh, you could talk about Kenneth Walker the third, who had over a thousand rushing yards and nine touchdowns. Uh, Tyler Algier had over a thousand rushing yards as well. You could talk about the job Brock Purdy did in San Francisco after he took over the starting job, but he probably didn't play enough to really truly be the rookie of the year, even if he was definitely the the most talked rookie about at the end of the year. Um, Garrett Wilson, I don't want to take anything away from him. Like you said, most catches, 1,100 yards, four TDs on a offense with inconsistent quarterback play. I think in general, when Mike White was healthy and out there, Garrett Wilson was feasting. Uh, basically, when quarterbacks that were not named uh, Zach Wilson were out there, he was doing a great job. So, And that's because Zach Wilson was not doing a great job, uh, not because Garrett Wilson was not, just to be clear. So, yeah uh that's where i'm at on garrett uh so do you want to move from uh rookie offensive player of the year to just the old-fashioned offensive player of the year caleb do you uh who do you have for that one um i i don't like talking about that player uh it's justin jefferson (laughs) uh he's the wide receiver for the minnesota vikings he's good i can't believe that that kid is only 23 turning 24 this summer he's been tearing up the league you know for a couple of years now it feels very ridiculous just how fast and how quickly he is moving just as far as his career is going but 128 catches for 1,809 yards, eight TDs. He's he's so good, and he was so valuable to Minnesota because without him, Minnesota didn't have a chance. Uh, and I, I mean that respectfully. Like, Adam Thielen is dropping off. Kirk Cousins totally relied on him. Yes, they brought in TJ Hawkinson, but Jefferson was still the main threat. There were so many games you looked at, like I think of the Buffalo game where they played Minnesota, where you knew the ball was going to Justin Jefferson and he still would go up and get it. And you're just like, well, dang, dude. Uh, Not the easiest catches either, but it's one of those things where Kirk almost seemed like he knew, "Eh, you know what, Jefferson's down there somewhere. Uh, Let me just toss this up. And uh, it's not the worst strategy I've ever seen. So... Kudos to Justin Jefferson for being great, and I wish that he was not a Viking. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm going to say that this year the uh, I'm I'm going to I'm going to be completely honest and say that I think that uh, last year when Kevin O'Connell took over the head coaching job of the Vikings, that I said it was a bad hire. I didn't like the hire, um, and now we're seeing an offensive player of the year. Um, come out of that with so many yards 
um, and making Kirk Cousins look halfway decent. Um, you know, if they ever do get a, a quarterback up there that, um, you know, maybe there's a, maybe Derek Carr can go there. We talked about Derek Carr on our last episode. You know, that might be an upgrade. I don't know too much about that, but, um, you know, maybe someone who plays just a little bit more consistent, consistently and, um, but, but I, I give Justin Jefferson his due. Um, he has definitely taken over this league as such a young player. He's got a couple years left um, until he hits his true prime. And he's getting, like right now, he's using athleticism. He's going to get smarter. He's going to get better. And I think he's going to have a, a long career for a, uh, for a wide receiver. So um, I, thought it was, I thought it was great uh, for Justin Jefferson this year. Well, I uh, I think we are we're moving on to the comeback player of the year um, because uh, someone's going to throw the ball uh, to those wide receivers that we keep talking about. And this year, the comeback player of the year was Geno Smith for the Seattle Seahawks. Um, this is definitely a complete surprise to me as uh, when Russell Wilson went to the Denver Broncos um, everyone thought that Seattle would just uh, shut down, you know, have a really high draft pick um, themselves and, um, you know, kind of lock it away for, for a year. And it uh, it surprised me that, uh, that Smith had such a, a, probably his best year that he's had in the league. Um, and... Uh, kind of put that team on his shoulders and and won a lot of games. So I'm going to give it to, to Geno Smith on, on this one. I didn't see it coming, but he definitely has the comeback player of the year. Um, Geno Smith has the uh, I am going to be a free agent this coming year money coming his way as well. Um, while you may talk about all of the various things that are going on and people want to talk about rookie quarterbacks or Daniel Jones or what's happening with Lamar Jackson, uh, let's not forget Geno Smith is likely to get paid. I bet he's going to want to come back. I think he's going to do well there. Just to throw it out there, Derek, because I found it to be interesting. Uh, I was double-checking uh, Track, that place that does a lot of the contract things that I check. Yeah, And they said that they think his market value is an average annual salary of $39.3 million. So that's, that's way too much for, for Geno Smith. I, I would probably tend to agree. Uh, they were saying like a two-year deal at that. It compares on average to players like Stafford, Kirk Cousins, and Matt Ryan. But I don't, I, th- I think that's a lot. I think if, if Gino takes a, let's say Gino takes a little bit of a discount to stay in Seattle, uh, it's at least going to be more than the three and a half million that he made this past year. I mean, so, yeah, uh, that's true. Come, come back, uh, player. Uh, I think Pete Carroll is saying, come back, Gino Smith. Uh, uh, and please don't make us pay that much. But good for Gino. Way to have a fantastic year. And, kind of reset what I feel like everyone thought about your career. I don't remember the last time we saw a backup really 
change the narrative that way in a long time. Maybe fits magic. I, I just don't have anyone that's like coming off the back of my head like that. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people had a bad taste in their mouth around the league because I believe Geno Smith was the one who broke the Eli Manning consecutive games uh, played streak um, in uh, in Eli's either second to last or last season um, where he was he was getting up there and they uh, they benched him for for Geno Smith and then brought him back the next year. I'm um, sorry, the next week. Uh, and so just to uh, just to mess over Eli Manning in uh, in New York. So let's move from one quarterback to another quarterback. Um, and this he has no uh, nicknames. We're not going to use any nicknames in our broadcast. Um, but the FedEx Air Player of the Year, Joseph Burrow, who plays for the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, he plays the quarterback position, and uh, he throws the ball pretty well. He got his team back to the AFC Championship game uh, this year, and um, you know, really, really gave it. Uh, I, I think Joe Burrow has changed the face of not just AFC North, but the top three in the AFC period. Um, the Bengals used to be the Bungles, and they used to be. Um, somewhat of a laughingstock in the league. And with Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, um, you know, Samaji P. Ryan, Joe Mixon, and uh, a lot of the other players that the Bengals have put together, uh, Joe Burrow is really making them look good. And he is the Air, uh, FedEx Air Player of the Year. Uh, Caleb, I, I throw it over to you as a... Uh, Hopefully you can catch it because I'm not nearly as good a quarterback as Joseph Burrow. Um, I think that Joe's a good quarterback. I think that what he did in Cincinnati, I mean, it was a good year. Again, a team that looked like they struggled a little bit out the gate, got some wins together, was doing really well at the end of the year. If you're saying he's a top three player in the AFC, um, is that Mahomes, Allen, Burrow? Yeah. Okay. I I don't know that I have qualms about that. I do think that there's... Lamar Jackson might have something to say about that, but he's been banged up the last couple of years. And we'll talk about him more next week. Yeah, so back-to-back AFC Championship games... Um, you have to have kind of a short memory when it comes to who is is leading the the a certain division, and so Super Bowl trip last year back to the uh, the championship game, the AFC Championship game this year, um, you know, won a national championship at LSU. You know, there's a lot of a lot of that uh, carryover um, and. Wasn't he the comeback player of the year when he came back from his leg injury? Because uh, he had a, had that good year. So um, I think that he's definitely up there. And I'm, I'm going to say that he, he's number three right now for me. Uh, yeah, Do he you, was the comeback player of the year last year. 
Yeah. So uh, from the the air, we head to the ground, and the FedEx Ground Player of the Year is Josh Jacobs, who plays for those black and gold, black and silver team in the desert, uh, the Las Vegas Raiders, uh, with under new head coach uh, Josh McDaniels, and so. A, you know, offensive-minded head coach, you're seeing a little bit of that. Um, unfortunately, you know, from our last uh, episode that we had together, um, we see that they cut their starting quarterback, Derek Carr, but we're seeing dividends of that offensive scheme as uh, Josh Jacobs wins the ground player of the year as he had the most uh, rushing yards this year. Uh, 16 uh, yeah, 1,653 uh, and uh, once again as uh, Caleb has brought up a contract year for this player and you're going to see a great performance out of them when they're in a contract year so uh, what are your thoughts on Josh Jacobs I do not want to taint you as I think that anyone who wears a Raiders jersey should not play football I mean, Josh Jacobs, he's an Oklahoma boy, so in general, uh, we like that about him. I can't say that I like where he's been as far as his career's been, because uh, I don't like Alabama, and I don't like the Raiders. I think if there's really one thing that I have to say, 340 carries, yeah, he got those yards, 1,600 plus yards, 12 touchdowns. I'm also slightly concerned because he had 53 catches for 400 yards. I know that that's not part of the ground, but I do think it's at least worth calling out because that's a lot of touches. 340 carries, 53 catches. We're talking about 390 plus touches. Josh Jacobs, if you go back to the Raiders next year, please get talk to your coach about a, a rotation or something like I, I appreciate that you were able to be the man this year but if you do that next year you may not do anything in like 24 or 25 and that's that's the life of a running back that's why people are not paying them a ton anymore but fantastic year this year well deserved by josh jacobs yeah that's uh that's really smart and you know, maybe he should talk to his coach um, about cutting down his carries, getting a rotation. Um, and on that note, let's move over to another coach uh, for our NFL honors. And that's assistant coach of the year. Um, and that's going to be D'Amico Ryans from the San Francisco 49ers. As uh, hopefully next year, or, or at least he's hoping next year, that he wins Coach of the Year as he has moved on to the Houston Texans. But uh, this year, uh, the 49ers were just a wrecking ball when it came to defense, and that is mostly because of uh, D'Amico Ryans. Um, you know, we talked about Nick Bosa uh, earlier in there, and he's one of the major reasons for Nick Bosa's, uh, you know, great year and winning Defensive Player of the Year, the scheme that he had, um, the players that they have. D'Amico Ryan's just 
uh, put them in the best uh, spot to win and got them uh, all the way and and all the way to the the NFC championship game versus the the Eagles. Um, unfortunately, the offense uh, did not come through for them. But uh, Caleb, throw some accolades over to D'Amico Ryan's way and let me know what you think. I mean, I think probably the best thing that I have to say is something that I said uh, partway through the season when I had looked at the stats and as far as the points that they were allowing on a per-game basis, uh, that they were three points better than everyone else. The The 49ers defensively were just flat-out good. There's nothing else you can really add to that. Like, uh, in the postseason, they played the Seahawks for a third time beat them again, shut down the Dallas Cowboys. And the main reason they didn't do well against the Eagles is because they couldn't get anything going on offense with no passers. Yes, Brock Purdy won games for them at quarterback late in the season. He wasn't making mistakes. The only game that got out of hand was the one that they had actually against Jacobs and the Raiders. Uh, when they gave up 34 points. But outside of that, it was a lot of 17s, 13s, 7s, a shutout of the Saints. Like, they were taking care of business. And that's because D'Amico Ryans was calling great defensive plays. Would I also say Fred Warner is good? They have a lot of talent on that defense? Yes. But coaching matters, Derek. We talked about it earlier with uh, Joe Judge to Brian Dable. We're talking about it with D'Amico Ryans being the defensive coordinator there in San Francisco. If you don't have a good defensive coordinator, if he's calling the wrong plays at the wrong time, San Francisco probably doesn't get all the way to the two seed. They don't end the year on a 10-game winning streak. He was just as integral to them winning the NFC West as the trade for Christian McCaffrey and Kyle Shanahan calling plays. And, and you're exactly right on that. If you don't have a game plan in mind, you are not going to. You can have all the best players in the world, and you're you're not going to to win. Um, and D'Amico Ryan seems to have the game plan of what needs to be called when blitzes and uh, covers and stuff like that. And so, my hat is off to him. Uh, we are down to our final award of the NFL honors, and it's a big one. It's the MVP, um, and uh, this year's MVP, Patrick Mahomes, um, had a great season uh, himself, had a great, uh, you know, has won the Super Bowl this year, and um, I'm not sure there's enough accolades to give Patrick Mahomes. He is just a one-of-one one, uh, to me that I think that he... Uh, he makes things, he makes plays, and he makes uh, throws that you don't expect. And when Tyreek Hill left the year before, you're expecting, you know, this offense has, has completely changed and is going to have to completely change. And it didn't. Um, Kelsey is still there. You're finding new players to catch touchdown passes. Uh, you have a little bit of a run game with Isaiah Pacheco. Um, and Patrick Mahomes still gets his uh, still gets his yards. Had 5,250 yards. 
41 touchdowns, 12 interceptions, and a completion percentage of 67%. Um, I think that there was a toss-up in my mind between Patrick Mahomes and Jalen Hurts, um, and I want to toss that over to you, Caleb, as who do you think was the the MVP this year, uh, Patrick Mahomes or Jalen Hurts? Who do you think deserved it more? It's a tough one because I think in general when Jalen Hurts was on the field, he was the most valuable player. I think he was hurt at the end of the year because he missed those two games and that last game he started against the Giants. They kind of got an early lead and he didn't have to pass much and no one knew how hurt he was or wasn't. So they went with another great player, another fantastic player in Patrick Mahomes. I don't really have any qualms about Mahomes winning the award. If you told me that they were 1A and 1B, that's fine. I don't like the idea of doing like co-MVPs, so I'm sure glad that didn't happen. But Mahomes had another fantastic year. He actually had more passing yards than he's had in any season in his career in Kansas City with 5,250, 41 touchdowns. Like, he was, he was getting the job done. So... Do I like the answer? I'm okay with it. I'm I'm not going to sit here and say Jalen Hurts was robbed. Would I say I prefer Jalen Hurts? I think that's where I land. Uh, do you kind of agree or disagree, or where do you land on that debate? Yeah, so I am 100% behind you on the Jalen Hurts part. So there are three letters in that title, most valuable player. And we saw what happened when Jalen Hurts was not on the field for that team. Um, when Garner Minshew came in, and we know the uh, strength and weaknesses of Garner Minshew, we've seen him for the last couple of years. Um, he's a pretty decent quarterback. He, he uh, can come in and run things on a general basis. But the offense looked uh, weird, and it didn't run properly. They lost those games. And the game plan on the other side, the defense, they didn't look great either because the offense was, uh, wasn't uh, staying on the field that long. And so uh, Philadelphia really thrives on a rested defense, uh, moving guys in and out of the lineup so that you're you're rushing fresh guys on every down almost and they just couldn't do that and so the the whole team looked off i think that's the most valuable part of we saw what happened to your team when he wasn't on the field versus um you know Patrick Mahomes if if we would have bumped him down to offensive player of the year because of his stats and Jalen Hurts was MVP, I can understand that. I, I would see that, and I wouldn't be upset. I'm not upset that Patrick Mahomes is MVP, because I think at the end of the day, he's the best player on the best team, and that's what it comes down to. I think that makes sense. I, I will say one thing that is completely underrated is the fact that Patrick Mahomes got Cliff Kingsbury a job as an NFL head coach in, <laughs> for at least three seasons uh, when he didn't appear that he ever knew what he was doing as a head coach at Texas Tech. So Patrick Mahomes, truly impressive in all sorts of ways. 
Yeah, no, I, I I will certainly give you give you that point. Uh, let's move on to the other major big portion of the the honors, and that is the 2023 Hall of Fame class going in. There are nine guys this year going in. Uh, I'm just going to go over all the names here and where they played, and then we're going to to touch back on a couple of guys. I'm here, so we have Rondé Barber who played his entire career in Tampa Bay. He's a cornerback. Uh, Don Coriel, who's a coach. Uh, Chuck Howley uh, was for the Bears and the Cowboys. He's a linebacker. Joe Klecko uh, played for the Jets and the Colts. Um, and he is what we would in modern day call an edge player. Also played uh, D-tackle. Daryl Rivas, the owner of Rivas Island, he played for the Jets, the Bucks, the Pats, and the Chiefs toward the end of his career. And he was a, a shutdown corner. Not just a cornerback, but a shutdown uh, corner. Uh, Ken Riley, who was a cornerback for the Bengals. My favorite player on this list, and that's Joe Thomas, the Browns offensive tackle. Uh, a really Another really great player, as all these guys are great, uh, but... I didn't watch some of these guys play. Uh, Zach Thomas, who played for the Cowboys and for the Dolphins. Uh, he was a linebacker. And then um, we have a Bronco on the list, which makes me happy. Uh, Demarcus Ware played for the Cowboys and uh, for the Broncos and was a linebacker. Uh, a lot of uh, a lot of defense going into, into the hall this year. Uh, only one offensive guy. And then a coach. So, um, Caleb, who do you want to to highlight on this list here as uh, as your guy that you want to talk about? Um, I'm going to go ahead and talk about Super Bowl champion Rondé Barber. Uh, he is, by all intents and purposes, the better Barber brother. Oh, uh, with all due offense to Tiki. Um, he, he was fantastic. He had a huge NFL career where he had a total of 47 interceptions, returning eight of them for touchdowns, 197 passes defended. This is the type of thing where when you say thing like, so let, even if Sauce doesn't become a defensive player of the year, I think he's easily on track to be the Barber Revis Hall of Fame player that he can be. Um, a lot of it's just going out and being able to get those stats and rack them up. But so many games played, so much effectiveness. I really think that they needed him to be the shutdown corner on that defense. Yes, they had good defensive linemen like Warren Sapp you got to have Rondé Barber out there on the edge to take care of things. So I had a lot of respect for him. I know that in general, like you said, this one is very defensive heavy. I just at least wanted to make sure I gave Rondé Barber some love because I thought he was fantastic and probably underrated uh, even during his time in the league as well. Yeah, so I'm going to hop over to the other side of the ball and talk about the only offensive player in this group. And that's going to be Joe Thomas. 
Uh, Joe Thomas is who I want to be when I grow up. Um, and I hope that I can be uh, as uh, as happy and as uh, content in my life as, as he is. So Joe Thomas played for 10 seasons in the league and went to the Pro Bowl 10 times. Uh, he played from uh, 2007 to 2017, and uh, he was a consummate professional as uh, on the Cleveland Browns was a stalwart left tackle and what the left tackle position should be um, in this league gave up very few sacks and he played for seven different head coaches uh, blocked for 18 different starting quarterbacks and he um, what was it what was the other stuff that I was his uh, longevity how many how many consecutive steps uh, uh, most consecutive snaps played 10,363. There it is. Uh, yeah. So there's that number. So 10,000 consecutive snaps. Um, that is huge. I mean, in the, in the era of, uh, of, you know, getting hurt, um, you know, swapping out a, an offensive tackle, um, all that kind of stuff. He was just constantly there. He never saw the playoffs, which very sad. But um, I will tell you that this guy, that you, you listen to him talk. He knows the game of football, and he knew his uh, he knew his plays left, right, and center. He could he could tell the quarterbacks the plays better than the quarterbacks knew the plays. So it's it's. Joe Thomas definitely deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. Um, can I tell you something that I personally thought was interesting about Joe Thomas? Yeah. So I've been a draft junkie for a long time, Derek. I remember yes. when uh, Joe Thomas was getting drafted that instead of going to New York, because it was always in New York at that time, that he said, I'm going to go out fishing with my dad, my father-in-law, and there was another uh, offensive lineman that he went out there with. And, you know, eventually, like, the Browns, like, the Browns called him and told him he got drafted. Cool. Yeah. Like, I'm going to keep fishing. Like, <laughs> Joe Thomas was outstanding at what he did. But I also loved the fact that it didn't really seem like he made football as all of his life i love that he was able to have some balance and even on something like draft day where so many people make a big big deal about it and it's so much bigger than it was back in 07 when he was drafted i love the fact that he was like i'm just gonna spend some time with my family and do some fishing yeah no that is that's the that's the constant professional that he was uh and was always um, is a great man and a uh, a great example for other tackles in the league. Were you wanting to go one more? I mean, I know we could in general, we could probably sit here and talk about these guys for forever. They were all legends. They're Hall of Famers for a reason. I just 
wanted to see how how deep you were wanting to go today. I think we've covered just about everyone that uh, I wanted to highlight. Joe Thomas there. Was anyone else that you wanted to bring up? I mean, I think in general, just calling it how big and how interesting this class is defensively. Because I think in general, the fact that we frequently have a lot of these classes that come out i feel like it it's kind of like a hey let's go ahead and push a bunch of defensive players through it's about time i love it like don't get me wrong joe thomas obviously deserves to be there as well i just really appreciated the fact that they got so many defensive players through it makes me curious because in general, like if we were to talk about finalists that that didn't get through this time, you've got players like Jared Allen, uh, Dwight Freeney. I, I'm really curious to see what happens with some of them because there was just uh, a backlog. There was a backlog, especially on the defensive side of the ball. And there that happens from time to time but i'm glad that some of that got cleared up this year yeah i mean having having so many uh players off on the defensive side definitely shows uh cuz i think we're going to see a lot more offensive guys um as we move forward each year we're going to see more wide receivers more tight ends um as this is basically when when that started to uh, to transition a lot more, uh, being more of a an offensive side of the ball, uh, I know that uh, we have some big names coming up over the next uh, two or three years, and I can't wait to see what uh, what they do. Where we go? Absolutely, absolutely. So, with that being said, I want to thank you for listening to this episode of Rody Sports Talk. If you haven't yet. Uh, go ahead and give us a a follow on your favorite podcasting platform. Go ahead and hit us up on our link tree on all of our links, L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E slash Brody Talk. And, uh, you know, if you have the ability to leave us a review, any kind of uh, five star or anything in words, we're, we're happy to uh, to get those five star reviews. We think we provide uh, five-star entertainment. I know that I have a five-star uh, podcasting uh, host on the other side over there. And so give him a five-star if nothing else. So on behalf of me, I'm Derek Rusnick. My great podcasting host, founder, and friend, Caleb Walgren. Do me a favor and have a wonderful day. Bye, y'all.